listening to Acupolitics, a MuggleDit.com podcast about politics in the wizarding world of Harry Potter. I'm your host, Adri, a recovering English major, and with me today, I have the lovely Ariel Potts from the Speak Beastie podcast. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm really excited to be here. Oh, I am so excited to have you on. You don't even know. <laughs> and we're international. Heads <laughs> of cultural expectations. And the chapter is, again, the advanced guard. This is the third chapter of Order of the Phoenix. And uh, let's do a quick summary of this chapter. <laughs> oh, God. So Harry asked Hedwig, Hedwig to... Uh, Pester Hermione and Ron until they've written back, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's kind of problematic. <laughs> um, and then the Dursleys just uh, leave and are like, "Harry, don't <laughs> touch the TV. We're leaving. We're locking you in the room. Fine." <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that is perfect. And then uh, he has some uh, visitors. Yeah, which like Harry, his first reaction is like. Oh, burglars. Then he's like, oh, no, burglars wouldn't be that loud. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our gorgeous tongs. <laughs> Just knocking everything over. Uh, yeah. yeah, and they come to transport him. You know, they come to break him out, really. Yeah, which is like nine people come to break out a 15-year-old wizard, 14-year-old old wizard because his birthday hasn't happened 15 i think no not yet yeah. 15 um well he is precious cargo indeed i mean yes but i mean then again moody would fly over to south pole if if it would help his security plan <laughs> <laughs> and then um tonks like helps harry pack and then he finds out that you know, she can change her appearance at will. And he's like, ooh, that's a cool trick. Yeah, which also, like, that is literally, like, I want to be able to do that. Can you imagine? I mean, forget plastic surgery, <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> but also, like, is it just <laughs> is it just changing your face or is it also, like, changing your height and stature? And oh, that's it. You know what? I like that. Like, is it changing your body type as yeah. well? If you could just, like, change your gender. Interesting. <laughs> I don't think we know enough about that, I though. I think just from, like, what we see, it's pretty much only, like, looks where you can change. Yeah, but, like... Because otherwise, it's, like, like, that, could, like, like, replace a polytuse completely. Yeah, yeah. Well, she did get top marks in stealth. Yeah. Not in stealth. And um, uh, what was that? Uh, stealth is what she doesn't have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not. Uh, oh, I'm forgetting the words. And maybe it was like concealment. Yeah, that sounds right. And then uh, they take, you know, they leave. Lupin leaves uh, the Dursleys a note. And Harry's like, don't bother. They're like yeah he's so sassy harry my yes. favorite harry um and then so the dursleys won't uh, be worried oh they'll just be bumped out that i'm happy and safe <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> and then it says lupin just smiles <laughs> oh man and then they fly away and like uh moody is like um 
yeah, like let's let's turn back just in case. And like <laughs> and everyone's like, Are you kidding? We're all frozen to our brooms. <laughs> uh, moody is a big yeah. mood. Um and and the chapter ends with Harry just reading uh the Grimald play secret. Yeah. Which he doesn't understand what it's about yet. I mean, that's the next chapter, so I mean, that was a good cliffhanger, yeah. obviously. I mean, this is kind of the chapter that most uh, Moody Harry is trapped at the Dursleys to Moody Harry is trapped now in Grimald Place. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, fun stuff. So I we thought about the politics of cultural expectations because we see kind of the muggle and the wizarding world kind of clash. Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, big time. every time that is kind of mentioned, but... It's definitely most profoundly here in this chapter. I'm just like, wizards, you think you're so high and mighty, but really, are you? Are you really? <laughs> they were like, oh, those muggles with their weird tech stuff. And then they couldn't like do anything if it weren't for like Harry or Hermione yeah. helping them out all the time. <laughs> Yes, so so like that clash between muggle and wizard culture is like a big deal, but also... Um, the clash between like even their own individual cultures, right? Because some of them are muggle-born, some of them are wizard-born, and uh, Tonks definitely does not conform to any cultural expectations because she says, like, I'm not good with, like, the cleaning spells. My mom is. Yeah, and then on top of that, her dad is a muggle and her mom's a witch. And her mom's a witch on top of that from one of the big, big, big wizarding families. Yeah, and um, I don't know, like, and, and Tonks is like, eh, whatever, I'll just be an whore. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, also you have that, uh, you think, where Harry's like, what, you're an aura? That's so cool, because, like, it's the dream job for, like, teenage boys to do. It's like, you know. What, you're a cop? It's yeah. so great. <laughs> I mean, it's not like special <laughs> forces, even. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Okay, Fine. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> You're a dark wizard catcher? Oh my god. I mean, yeah, it is is that like teenage boy dream thing. Like, oh, imagine I could do that. <laughs> and so everyone they Imagine meet. I could use the skills honed by expelliarmusing everything in sight <laughs> to becoming a wizard special force cop. I mean true. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, you know, you have Kingsley Shacklebolt, which like does not also conform to Harry's idea of being, of what an aura looks yeah, like. Yeah, because he's like really calm, collected, but like he he's probably the one that has the easiest to fit in both in the Muggle and the Wizarding world. Because you know, we know at the yes. later point he actually works in the Muggle world to protect the Muggle Prime Minister in in Hufflepuff Prince, I think that is. Um. So he obviously is very good at like fitting in in both worlds and obviously being very good at his job because he's supposedly moving up ranks fairly quickly, I would assume. Yeah, and like Mad-Eye Moody is definitely kind of like like an anomaly in the wizarding culture, but also very respected. So that's why he's able to be an anomaly and so weird. I mean, he's kind of the veteran character, isn't he? He like... He he's yes, missing a yes. leg and no, eye, and <laughs> it's just like rude kind of thing. Especially if you consider that this is in Britain, where people are always polite. 
So I always say that my goal in life is to become wealthy enough. I mean, I have no wealth, but I'm just saying like, like rich so that I can stop being weird and start becoming eccentric. <laughs> you know, like my, like the things that I like and the things that I do wouldn't change. It's just that your yeah. status and then, yeah. shifts the way people And then because you. you're in a certain status, people be like, oh, that's so cool. Why aren't we all like that? Yeah, like instead of being a freak, I could be just that eccentric lady with yeah. all the money that like gives to charity and stuff, you know? That'd be cool. That was a good life life dream. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my goal. Um, Lupin, Lupin doesn't fit in the wizarding world because he's a werewolf. But he also doesn't really fit in the muggle world either because he's a wizard. Right? So, so he's like that in-between state that we were talking yeah. about earlier. And I like... Especially because, you know, people not knowing he's a werewolf, they'll be like, oh, Lupin is this cool guy. He's all right. And then, like, people knowing that he is a werewolf, they'll be like, what? No, I'm never spending time with that person ever again. I'm just like, but you thought that guy was all right, like, two seconds ago. <laughs> and we see that same with Hagrid, even like Ron being like, mm -hmm. oh, what? He's half giant? I was like, well, duh, on the one hand, but also like, Does that change your experience you had with Hagrid this far, just now knowing what his genes are? Yeah, like, I mean, you'd know him and you've known him for a long time. It's not like yeah. you just met him, Ron. Yeah, Come on. and he's not done anything, like, sketchy, I suppose. I, again, this comes back to stereotypes. Yeah. And we kind of talked about, you know what? I, it's not that we weren't talking about things earlier. It's just that we were just prepping to get yeah. in depth. <laughs> That's how we phrase it. <laughs> Let's do the Gryffindor thing of like retroactively fitting everything we just said into this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And I think with like Lupin, he's also like, he doesn't like, because he's always described as like shabby looking. So, like, I think yes. that's probably much more of a stereotype we have in the muggle world, especially because wizards don't seem to care as much about looks because, like, looking at Moody, he doesn't look like a normal person either. Um, but, like... But but Lupin doesn't have the status that yeah, Moody does. But also, does. like, if you were a muggle and you've, like, met Meta and Moody and Lupin, you'd be, like, weird homeless people because from, like, what they're described... Because they're like shabby looking yes. and like beaten up, and you'd be like, okay, you like the person would come, and you'd be like crossing the street, be like, ah, no, best to have some distance. You know, that reminds me. <laughs> this reminds me a lot of um, Neverwhere from Neil Gaiman, where like all the magical people are like basically looking like homeless people in the oh. real world, in the non-magical world. I don't know that and one, if but it sounds really interesting. And if you've never read it, this is the time. <laughs> I was just thinking, something to add to my to-read list. Yes, uh, he's very good. Um, now, you you talked. We talked about earlier about um, technology versus magic, right? So, like in in when it's this book is set in like the mid '90s. I think it's '96. Uh, it's '94, but turning '95 within this book okay see there you go you know more <laughs> than i do uh it's like this place in technology where we are starting to see personal computers at home and the internet is not quite an, a fully accessible thing to homes yeah. yet 
Like um, it's mostly used in uh, workspaces to share information within workspaces. But uh, we have like gaming consoles and, and all these things that make life a little bit easier for non-magical people. And then magic's kind of like still at a standstill, right? There doesn't seem to be much innovation yeah. in magic. I mean- and it seems to like uh, at some point, technology is going to at least catch yeah. up with it. I mean, already like we obviously have a scene where they're standing in the in the kitchen and looking at all the things the Dursley have in the kitchen and just like looking at a very basic thing that every one of us has in the kitchen, which is a fridge. Like that is super mm-hmm. handy. Like, do muggles just uh, uh, do wizards just constantly have to like do cooling charms or whatever other charms? Like, how does that work? I mean, just like a, a, preser- a preservation yeah. charm, yeah, you know? Like that. Like, I mean, does that like constantly has to be like reapplied? And if you forget your like food gets bad or? Yeah, I mean, these are, these are the questions we need <laughs> answers for. <laughs> let's be honest, some of our technology, especially nowadays with what we have, it's just super handy. Like, I'm not even sure magic is better than technology by now like 2019 standards yeah and and what happens is i think when we have two cultures that uh, especially one thinks it's higher than the other it doesn't want to learn from the other culture so like wizard culture uh and even though they don't like to see it that way um in the more liberal sense right they still think they're better than muggles and i mean we see it with like they still think they're subjects like muggle studies where (laughs) it's like a bit of a joke Exactly. Um, It's a little bit anthropological in in a sense, right? So like, I usually think about like, imagine Hermione taking muggle studies and being like, no, that's actually not what that is. I mean, we (laughs) didn't see what she said during muggle studies because she did take it for a year. That's right. See, you're you're fact checking me and I love it. Um, I'm pretty sure she can teach the class. I mean, I'm assuming that that is canon. (laughs) Because seriously, why did she well, take that subject? <laughs> uh, but I also think about it in, in the terms of like whenever someone uh, tells me about my culture or is talking about my culture and I'm like, actually, that's not necessarily true. You're tr- you're you're not factoring in yeah. these other things. Like there was this um, big thing about people saying that uh, Puerto Ricans didn't um, pay taxes and I, I was like, um, actually, that's not necessarily true. Like we, we, you know, they were, they were saying that we don't pay federal taxes. And I was like, well, you're, tr- you're forgetting to factor in that we, the Puerto Ricans living in Puerto Rico pay uh, taxes to the Puerto Rican government. And then the government allocates a certain amount to pay for the, what would be the federal taxes. So they just, you know, we pay to like a centralized place, but then the Puerto Rican government disimburses the federal portion yeah. to the IRS which so I know so we are yeah. paying the taxes I mean <laughs> it's probably much more common here because uh in Europe we have so many different cultures and countries uh and people like I have my my company's based in the UK and I have like hundreds of colleagues in the UK um but like just for my team like we're like eight or nine people in the UK and there's like two people in Germany, one of them obviously being me and one person in France. And every time I'm over in the UK, I have to like tell them stuff because they just don't know. They just don't care. They're just on their island and they'll be like, oh, whatever happens in Europe, we don't care. 
And it comes down to like basic geography. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's like, <laughs> that's like the mentality that I've grown up with all the time. It's like, we're on our island. We don't really care about Europe, even if it's like right next to us. <laughs> um, and it, it comes down to stuff like not knowing that like, France has an island in the Mediterranean Sea and which one of those islands it is and that it is part of France and which of those islands belong to Italy. And I'm sort of like, you know, like France is like your neighboring country. <laughs> it's not like it's on the other end of the world. You could know those things. This is not like hard knowledge. Like look at the map <laughs> just once in your life. Also like Wikipedia yeah. is a thing, right? <laughs> like... But I, I just really see that a lot with, with my colleagues that they are just like, they're so restricted to how things are in the UK. And it clashes massively with like HR and admin stuff when they're like, well, we pay you a bonus, but like there's taxes on the bonus. And then like in, in Germany, your taxes are 45%. So like almost half the money goes to the state. Whereas in the UK, taxes are 20%. So you get a lot more money oh, wow. from your bonus actually comes to you. Whereas in Germany, like half the money doesn't even make it to me. And they just don't know that. Oh, that that's a yeah. big tax. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't know that. I was like, but you have like an office in Germany. Like you should at least pretend to care more about Germany <laughs> and the German laws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So these are the things. So, you know, in my little example, it's just like people like to tell me how my country works. Right. But they don't want to listen to like, well, you know, technically you're right in the way that like in my example. Right. Like Puerto Ricans don't pay the IRS directly for uh, federal taxes, but you're also wrong in thinking that no federal money comes from. Yeah. uh, that no federal taxes are paid by Puerto Ricans because the government actually just is the centralized place where um, it comes And you can, from. like, I can see how that went down. Someone, like, told them, be like, yeah, Puerto Ricans don't pay taxes. They'll be like, what? And then just that is their belief until they're challenged differently. <laughs> yeah, and there's no, like, scholarly sources for it yeah. because it's a fact. <laughs> So I had to like show them a Wikipedia page and they were like, well, Wikipedia is not like a source. And I'm like, as an English major, I fucking know this, but I am telling you as someone who lived in the island that I paid the equal amount yeah. of taxes as I do. In the and I mean, even like from a logical point of view, how would that ever happen? Like how would, you know, they forget about you that, that that's just not a thing. Well, also on top of that, we get um, this, uh, there's this port rule where you can't buy things made in Puerto Rico in Puerto Rico. So like we have like big pharmaceuticals in the island. And if you want to buy, like, let's say Tylenol has a a pharmaceutical company in the island. So if you want to buy ibuprofen, um, you can't buy it directly from the factory. That the factory takes it to the port into like a, into like a ship and then once it's in the ship those ta- some taxes are put on top of that and then they disembark it from the ship and now you can buy it at a markup oh that sounds overly complicated oh yeah no it's called uh let me double check it's called the jones okay. law i mean 
Uh, As I said uh, earlier, I lived in New Zealand for a bit, and New Zealand has a really strong uh, dairy farming industry. But like eighty percent mm-hmm. of their like dairy product they sell out, like they uh, export to other countries. But then it's not enough left. The twenty percent that they leave in in New Zealand and like don't like nail me down to those numbers. They're just like roundabout numbers I'm giving you. Um, it's not enough to like feed New Zealand. So then they have to like import milk back into the country. I'm just like, that sounds kind of stupid, but it's probably the cheapest way to do it. But like from like an environmental point of view, it's really not that sensible. Okay, so Jones Act is actually what granted a citizenship. Let me double check uh, what is called like a shipment. Oh, yeah, it is. It is the Jones Act too. Okay, so it's a ton of things are covered under the Jones Act. So um, it's a 1920 regulation that requires that goods shipped from American port to another be transported on a ship that is American built, American owned, and crewed by U.S. citizens or permanent residents. For the residents of Puerto Rico, the Jones Act, though the Jones Act is huge. This is from Vox. Like they they were explaining the Jones Act um, after the hurricane happened because... Uh, the Jones Act didn't let us get stuff after the hurricane. And by us, I mean people still in the island. I did live through the hurricane in 2017. Um, Basic shipments and goods from the island to the U.S. mainland and vice versa must be conducted via expensive protected ships rather than exposing them to global competition. Uh, That makes everything Puerto Ricans buy unnecessarily expensive relative to goods purchased on either the U.S. mainland or other Caribbean islands and drives up the cost of living on the island overall. So um, cars have like a bigger tax rate or like a bigger markup than here in the mainland. Like I was talking to my parents about because they still live in the island and about, you know, how much I paid for my car. And and they were like, "Um, that car starts here at like four thousand dollars more than it starts there. Uh, or, you know, some markup like that. And uh, the jo- like through the Jones Act, uh, <laughs> the United States makes billions a year because those taxes are paid to the American government. So no, not only do we actually pay federal taxes, but we also pay, Puerto Ricans also pay a different kind of tax. I mean, we have a similar kind of situation here with like when East and Western Germany were reunited, which... Uh, mm-hmm. The anniversary was yesterday, like day of oh, recording wow. and not day of release. <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday, November 9th. <laughs> yeah. So on November 9th, the Berlin Wall came down. That's when, when East and Western Germany. And that's 30 years ago, yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, I think then officially reunited, it was like in 1990. So next year is the official 30 year. Germany is one country. I feel so old. (laughs) Punch to the gut. (laughs) I mean, I was born in 92, so I've been born into a reunited Germany. So No, I'm just like, I'm thinking about the 90s. And like, when you you say 30 years ago, to me, it's still like 1970, you know? Oh, wait, it's now the 90s, but it's 30 years ago. (laughs) I mean, I feel like the same when I have... uh, a couple of like uh, friends in my basketball team, they're like 17, 18, and they're like obviously born like 2000, 2001. And I was just like, wait, how can someone who's like born in 2001 be like 
an adult now. That just doesn't make sense. <laughs> like they're legal adults. That is so weird. I know. I get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> okay, but back to Harry Potter. <laughs> Um, so, you know, like this idea of like muggles versus wizards and like one, like the wizarding culture believing themselves to be superior to the muggle culture, especially is, is funny because Vernon definitely thinks he's superior to wizard culture. So it goes in both ways. Yeah. And what's what I also noted, because I listened to the chapter before this one, so chapter two as well. Uh, and during that, there's the whole interrogation kind of scene going on with like where Wern and Petunia try to figure out what happened to Dudley um, because of the whole Dementor incident. Um, and like Vernon calls Harry boy a lot, and um, yes, it's well, really you know, rude. that's his favorite thing. Yeah, but then Mad Eye Moody in this chapter calls him at least twice boy as well, and it hmm. still. Come, comes off kind of rude for me but it's obviously like we forgive him because he's a good guy kind of thing well and I know that this isn't written in an American context right but I think we would be remiss to not mention that boy is a loaded term in American context is you know when it is directed at a black man oh why is that so um I am going to Google this so I don't get it wrong, but I, my understanding is that uh, that was the term that was used by slave owners to black men. Like, I, I think there was like a Biden Biden call, like a, a black man boy, and that set off. Did Biden ever not do anything wrong? Um, yeah, so like an infant, like infantilizing someone by calling them boy, and you know Harry's like fifteen; he's not necessarily a man yet. But I feel like maybe he does feel that way when Vernon calls him boy. And I mean, I suppose I see why Moody does it because he's he's like this veteran kind of mm -hmm. dude who's like, "There's this kid that we're supposedly now protecting because Dumbledore said that he's like important to the fight and everything," but he's still a kid <laughs> so and also he just had his wand in his back pocket <laughs> no one knows about basic wand safety anymore i mean obviously they don't so. <laughs> all right i think we're ready to go to the quotes what quote did you feel like exemplified the politic of cultural expectations i um i chose this one um this is Alistair Moody, Harry, Lupin continued pointing towards Moody. Yeah, I know, said Harry, uncomfortable. It felt odd to be introduced to somebody he thought he'd known for a year. Oh boy, that is complicated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, I mean, kind of points to Crouch Jr. for being very on point with what Moody is in real life. But obviously, the most we ever see of Moody is in book four, and that's not the real Moody. We see a facsimile of Moody, like someone someone acting like Moody, <laughs> which is yeah. funny because like yeah. Moody is just like like this idea of like a grumpy old grandpa that's missing a leg and an eye. And also, like considering obviously Crouch Junior had a lot of like one to one talks with Harry because he had this interest of having Harry succeed into the maze. Because that was his goal. And obviously the real Alistair Moody doesn't give so much like 
Like he doesn't think Harry's that special that he's devoting one-to-one <laughs> tips and time to him. <laughs> he's like, yeah, whatever. There's this kid that I'm now moving from place A to place B and uh, we're flying through the North Pole. <laughs> it's interesting that, um, and I've noticed this as, as we're talking, is that um, maybe the people we should always be skeptical of are the adults that are taking too much um, interest in a young kid because every adult who is quote-unquote good doesn't really care that much about Harry or spending one-on-one time with a 15-year-old. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but then there's Hagrid and Lupin. I mean, but those so. are like exceptions. <laughs> <laughs> like a Gilderoy Lockhart and a like (laughs) like all these all these adults who express like too much interest in Harry and getting to know Harry in like these different ways not like in a Hagrid way where he's just a kid at heart still uh, in in many ways and he just wants to show off his like magical beast collection (laughs) but and Lupin is more like um, like a mentor rather than a like fanboy. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And then obviously coming up in this book, there's Umbridge who has a lot of one-to-one time with Harry for yeah, many different like, reasons. Honestly, as a 33-year-old, I don't think I could, you know, stomach being around a 15-year-old too, too long. I'm sorry. Honestly, I left school and never <laughs> came back. Cause... I I, I was a teacher that. when I was 23, 20, yeah, 23 uh, for a year. I was a middle school teacher. So I taught eighth grade, ninth grade, seventh, eighth, and ninth, and then some sixth grade. And I lasted a whole year because I was just like, peace out. I'm leaving. It's, this is just like the defense of the dark arts teacher. I, <laughs> I cannot yeah. be around teenagers yeah. this long. It gives me PTSD. Yeah. I mean, Seriously. And also, like, obviously, like, as as a child in school, you think this is everything. This is your whole world. This is what dictates your thing. And then now that, like, I'm 27, I have I have people in my team who are, like, 17, 18 in my basketball team. And they, like, you know, we have basketball practice in the evening. I, like, I, like, we'll meet up before the gym and I'll be like, so how was your day? And they're like, huh, I've wrote, like, two tests. It was really hard. I was like, uh-huh, okay. I really can't relate back to that anymore because like you just went to school it's like not that hard (laughs) I like have a job and I did uni on the side of the job and then I do stuff for Magalette and you know I have to clean my own stuff I have to cook for myself like you just have to go to school I just can't yeah I mean it's hard right it's hard to relate like when I was yeah yeah I mean in a way yes but then like you go out of school and be like oh the real world is not at all what I expected because you kind of assume grown-ups behave better than they do but they really don't (laughs) yeah I like I mean even something I can remember and kind of relate to like when you're like 10 11 you think someone who's like 16 17 is like grown up and knows to how the world runs then you're 16 17 you think oh no someone in like their 20s knows how the world works like 21 23 you'd be like yeah they know what what's going on then like you're 21 23 and i was like no i still have no clue how this life thing works and now i'm 27 i still have no clue how this life 
thing works and I'm assuming it just continues like that now because I'm just assuming you just never know how this life thing works just <laughs> yeah just it. when you think like adults have it together <laughs> and then you're an adult and you're like oh we're all faking it cool 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> none of us has a clue but that's all right <laughs> it just it just makes me feel like oh shit <laughs> there are no answers <laughs> But what was what is the cute? So uh, when I thought about this chapter when I first um, listened to it, because of course I've been listening to it in my on my way to work to get ready. Um, the one thing that stood out to me specifically was uh, Tonk's reaction to being in a Muggle home, and she says, "Funny yeah. place," she said, "It's a bit too clean." You know what I mean? A bit unnatural, and it's just. <laughs> just the, the cultural expectation of like then she goes on to say like muggles are very clean and like a bit too clean and that that kind of reminds me of like yeah. being uh, raised by a Puerto Rican mother who is like cleaning obsessed and like um her standards of cleaning are not my ex- standards of cleaning and she would be like you're you're always a mess and I'm like well it's clean it's not just it's just not like hospital clean you know um and there's like a lot of bleach in my home and like a lot of uh fabuloso which is like this um cleaning mixture I don't know if you've ever seen it I have to sh- <laughs> alarm uh, alarm yes. so fabuloso is like this cleaning mixture that's like super aromatic and like you know like it's super common latin households and like my mom's like favorite hobby and I'm not kidding other than like figuring out crafts and stuff she always has to be on the go she's not like a like a person who knows how to relax uh i think that's the adhd that she has uh that she won't get treated for um and she she's always cleaning and i'm just like mom oh my god okay. like <laughs> so talks would really think my house was unnatural too like my the house i grew up in <laughs> i know mean like in the chapter it continues like they enter harry's room which is obviously it's just like that's more like it (laughs) and he's like (laughs) (laughs) yeah but she then also is like her dad is a i think she calls a slob and then she's like i I guess it varies between models and wizards doesn't (laughs) it but she makes this like (laughs) like, a knee-jerk assumption and then carries it through and then she's like oh wait maybe i'm being prejudiced Yeah. But it seems to me like the, as a whole, the wizarding world as described by through Harry's um, eyes um, and, you know, Joe describes it. It's a little bit messy and untidy and like there's always like a film of dust on it. You know, this is almost like antique yeah. type. They are kind of living yeah, in yeah. the antique, aren't they? I mean, like they are like freaked out about how to get into the subway station and how like escalators work and how lifts work and they're they're living in their own bubble and like I said I don't think I mean other than like some innovations that we see with like brooms and like books maybe I don't think we see a lot of gadget innovations throughout this series yeah I I think that's probably why it's so off-putting for us because if we look back at uh, technical like uh, development like it's going exceptionally fast and we like you know like 30 years back computers were like still brand new now like people start to have not having like a computer because they can do everything from their phone that sort of thing 
Whereas like the Muggle world, uh, the Wizarding world kind of stopped evolving around the time that books well, were I the thing. That <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool, books, fine. Like, uh, JK, Joanne's, Joanne Kathleen Rowling's, um, or JK, as we call her. Um, <laughs> that's her actual politic coming into uh, work here, where she thinks that technology has pulled us in this direction that she maybe doesn't agree with. Because she's very critical I mean, of Dudley and technology. And like, she's also very critical of like bigger bodies. Um, and, and I don't agree with her at all in, in any of those fronts because technology, like anything is a tool, right? Like just as a wand can be used to kill, yeah. it could be used to make very amazing th- and good things. So just as that technology is the same thing. Yeah. And considering that she's writing on a computer. I mean, she wrote in notebooks first, if you, you know, for obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but she obviously... <laughs> switched to computers and is now using computers and has been obsessed with Twitter for a while, but is now abstinent. For uh, some maybe reason. because her hot takes were um, maybe not the best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like my main issue. Like you can't like, like be like responsible and take the like crown for being like hey i've educated a whole generation in kind of what is right and how you should behave and how you shouldn't like judge too easily and how you should get a whole like facts Mm -hmm. and everything but then be uh shocked that that same claim falls back on you when the people be like yeah okay now we've taken this learnings this lessons that you've provided us and you don't fall into this so we're she doesn't do criticism back. very well. And, and that's one of my criticism towards her, yeah. really, is that I have seen people getting blocked for just not question and not even in a in a disrespectful way, just questioning her logic uh, on, on a tweet that she sent out or be like, well, but have you considered this point of view? And, and it's very like nicely done i don't think it's done out of spite and then she just blocks them and i'm just like this is not what you taught us to do man (laughs) yeah exactly and that that is my main main thing with her too i was like i like appreciate for what you did but now that you phrased us as this like critical thinking generation you have to live with us as the critical <laughs> thinking. Yeah, it reminds me you know? of my parents and I was a teenager and they raised me to be very critically thinking like uh, outside of Harry Potter, right? So like my dad raised me to be this like questioning being and so did my mom because they're very like educated people who wanted me to be educated on issues and question everything around me. And like I would like use those skills against their um, authoritarian way of parenting. <laughs> And they would get so yeah, mad. <laughs> that's that's what happens. And if you can't accept it, then you should never like teach those lessons in the first place. But yeah, that's my main thing with her. I'm just like, like uh, the students have become the master, Joe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have to accept that. <laughs> but also, like, I think we just don't know how much is still in her control. Like, how much of her tweets are still her? Oh, that that's like, another thing, right? Like, we don't know. And how much of yeah. the Twitter management is her and how much of it is someone else yeah. is just blocking things so that she doesn't have to see them be- without her knowing all these things. But also yeah. she still employs all yeah. these people. Also- so at, at a point, it's also back on you. Yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking at the whole where she just kind of oh, defended. Johnny Depp. Uh, don't Depp. even start it. <laughs> yeah, which just really didn't feel like it was something that she wrote. So I feel like it was something that someone told her to write because of the contract she has. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's just like what it feels like. It didn't feel like something that she really felt like. Oh, she, she definitely it. has golden so. handcuffs. They're very nice looking. But. That is a good description. <laughs> so um, for you uh who who is the character that exemplifies the cultural um expectations like the politics in in this chapter i i put down Mm -hmm. lupin because um as we discussed before he kind of has to shift between Mm -hmm. both worlds because we know that he had like muggle jobs because he was obviously not wanted in the wizarding world because he's a werewolf. But then he would also lose those muggle jobs because obviously every month he was sick for a couple of days. So he's an outsider in both worlds, but he still is uh, adaptable. Like he can still fit in into both worlds. Like he obviously fit in well enough to keep jobs at least for a couple of months. Yeah, I mean... So. I understand that. Mine is surprise, surprise, uh, Tonks, because she comes from a family that is between both worlds. She has like a muggle born father and like a very, a, a witch from a very distinguished family. Maybe not what you want to be distinguished for, but, <laughs> um, but even then, she doesn't quite understand muggle culture. And maybe that's because her dad did a, do a really good job of explaining that to her. I find that very interesting. I mean, I'm just very German, so that's not really a lot to unpack for me. But um, it's still kind of interesting to like get the backgrounds where you're mm-hmm. coming from culturally. Like, why do you do but, the things you do? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, why is something? And also, like, why do some stuff? Like, why why are there trigger points for you, and why is other stuff? just not a trigger point for yeah you. and like speaking of yeah. which like i always feel like <laughs> so i did like the you know g- genetics test that's gonna you know track us forever and ever um when the data gets sold somewhere i guess <laughs> um so uh, it showed that i am like i my genetic makeup is literally from everywhere around the world except uh russia and australia <laughs> um so i'm like okay. just scattered around the world and I'm just like, oh, cool. Like, um, like my people really, really went around before settling in Puerto Rico. So like, I have like this mixing pot of, of cultures and influences. Um, but my, my, uh, culture, my cultural heritage starts in the island about 300 years ago or 200 years ago. So that's, that's what I know. Um, but it's interesting to know who you are, where you come from so that you can kind of look into like, oh, you know, where did these people come from and why did they end up here? I don't know. It's really interesting. Like people's histories are interesting, right? Like, and our people's histories should be interesting to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I, um, I listened to a German podcast that's called Half Potato because we Germans are sometimes referred to as potatoes. Oh my God, I love this. And it's essentially essentially, uh, a guy whose both parents are Korean, but he grew up in Germany and he talks with other people who are like half German or like moved to Germany at some point in their life and how they experience living in Germany and like how that clashes sometimes with their upbringing or like 
how they've been treated differently because they obviously like you know they look differently to germans and it's really really interesting but it's also sometimes really really shocking because i remember one episode there was um uh i'm not sure where she came from but she uh she said that someone tried to burn her when she was eight oh, years God. old because she just looked like i think like she had a dark skin color and uh they just grabbed her and like put like gas over her and then the lighter didn't go on and that's when she was able to run away that is so and i was just like oh god fuck yeah it gets really dark sometimes but overall it's a really interesting podcast because just for me as someone who is german and always has to kind of fit in here and no one's ever questioned me mm-hmm. being here it's kind of interesting how other people experience living in Germany. I think, yeah, I think that if we stop being curious about other people's lived experiences, we stop growing. Yeah. But then also, like, if you go travel and see the world and you're the outsider somewhere for once and you see different cultures, then you're always kind of are more open to, to like, accept other cultures where mm-hmm. you're from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's like the the gift of um, storytelling and the gift of reading is that you, you I mean, if you don't have access to, um, I guess, travel the world, you can learn about other people's lives, even though they're fictional, and you can start to relate yeah. to other people in a different way. Uh, I also know therapy for me um, has been incredibly good at me being less self-centered and listening to other people's stories. <laughs> because I have one hour every other week where I just get to talk about myself. (laughs) Yeah. And it's all about you and no one's challenging. Well, no, I get that. And, and, you know, I I also learned a lot from my therapist because she knows how to like ask questions that will get me to say like a a more, like a deeper answer. And I've started using some of those tools that she uses in my work because I need to get deeper answers to be able to write grants about programs I'm not the subject matter expert in. And so I'll say, I'll say yeah. like, oh, tell me more about that. You know, like, ooh, how do they feel? You know, like that kind of thing. And then I get more de- richer details than just the standard stuff. Yeah. So you know what? Therapy yeah. is good for your work too. <laughs> <laughs> and can I just say, like the two characters we've both picked – they end up being married. Oh my god, they're the best. <laughs> they also end up being dead, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to point that out. <laughs> but no, it's just interesting that those two also end up being a couple. So. I mean, I love them as a couple because she is exuberant and he is withdrawn. And I feel like yeah. that is definitely the vibe in my marriage. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I see that. I, like, my parents are the same. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think, yeah. like, it, it, you can also have two very similar personalities and one of them forces themselves to be the the other one, usually the quieter yeah. one. And then that comes with a lot of scorn and regret. And you know what I mean. Listeners, you know what I mean. It's just, you just get very <laughs> angry. And then you have blowout fights and you don't want that. So never hide who you are. <laughs> I mean, that is generally a good advice. Never hide for you who you are for anyone. And uh, yeah. I have been that person and it makes me very unhappy. No, me too. So. Yeah, learn from our so mistakes. Just, 
I think it also just kind of comes as you grow older that you'd be like, oh, I don't need to fit in. Oh, yeah. They can just accept me for who I am or they're just not worth my time. But I think it's very hard to do that as you're like when you're still in school and a teenager because you're just like, you kind of are surrounded with the same people and you just kind of have to try to fit in in a way. But like as an adult, you just it's just much easier to be like, yeah, whatever, I can walk away. It also helps when you find your your people, like when you find yeah. online friends or IRL friends who don't question your choices and accept you as who you are. And if you have uh, friends around you around you who are trying to control you or say you're weird in a mean way, not in a fun way, then drop those friends. <laughs> Which is sometimes easier said than done. And also sometimes you don't necessarily realize that. I think Cleo says she agrees with all I of feel this. like it. <laughs> I feel like your dog doesn't agree with me. No, no. She's like, I think what she's saying is, if I may, that um, she thinks that we should all break up with our friends who are mean to us. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. We should all have wise dog friends like that. Yeah. And, and she's just like growling at the mean friends. That's all she's doing. Not at you. At mean yeah. friends. See, you all now have a wise dog at your side. Ah, and she's only six months old, you know? Yeah, she won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't learned boundaries yet. <laughs> um, yeah, she, she is definitely an exuberant dog. Um, she, she is quite a lot sometimes. And I'm like, oh my God, is this who I am as a person? Yeah, that's more likely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously this podcast is extremely successful. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah i constantly run into people that be like hey have you heard about this podcast and aren't you the one person from this podcast that happens to me all the time um yeah Not. <laughs> no, but real talk there was this one time where uh my original co-host aaron was having lunch at like this local place in new mexico where she's from and she heard two college students talking about our podcast and she didn't know these people and, oh. and I was like, have we made it? We have made it. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, Lizzie from, from Speak Beastie, uh, she lives in the UK. Um, she messaged me one day. It's like this cafe place that she goes every day. The owner's girlfriend listens to Speak Beastie. So I'm famous here. And I'm just like, damn, that's never happened to me. And she's like, come visit me. We go to the coffee place and then you're famous too. I was like, okay. <laughs> that feels like forcing it, but yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you know what? And once I'm on Speak Beastie, then I can go to the UK and go to the cafe yeah, and be famous. That's me all there. <laughs> Beastie meetup. <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, all right. So we usually end this podcast with media that we've been consuming that is, you know, not Harry related, but I mean, it could be, I guess, but usually not. So what have you been watching or, you know, listening to that is fun? Um, so I've just like literally just finished my master thesis and climbed out of this hole I've been in for two months. So oh I'm actually God. consuming I any media. That. that is actually <laughs> like a mood. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy it's over. <laughs> um, but I've been watching uh, uh, this Netflix series that's called Inside Bill's Brain, and it's about Bill Gates. 
and I think it's a three-parter, and it kind of shows how he grew up and how he founded Microsoft, but it's also much more about what the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation does nowadays. Okay, great. Um, so it's about polio and the uh, hygiene uh, problem in Africa, but it's also about uh, um, global warming and environmental crisis and what we can do and what he's working on. So it was. I thought it was really interesting. Oh, great! Because you know, like you know, Bill Gates, and you kind of know what he did. Oh, you I mean know, uh, like, my how it all came. You to mean me. my real father who hasn't come and gotten me and given me billions of dollars? Yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was this one time I was. Uh, my dad was uh, driving me to school, and I was. We were just joking around because that's you know what me and my dad do. Uh, my mom, not so much. We just have the same kind of sense of humor. And we were, my dad was saying something and I was asking like, oh, when can I get a new computer or whatever? You know, I was like maybe 15, 14. And, yeah. and he was like, oh, yeah, we don't have money for that right now. Like that's not in the budget. And I was like, well, you know, when daddy Bill Gates shows up, you're going to be real sorry. <laughs> and so after that, it became like this thing about me being like Bill's real daughter. And like, you know, when Bill Gates shows up, you're going to be real sorry you didn't like treat me better because I'm going to be like, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is going to be so weird for Bill Gates, who's totally listening to this podcast. Um, Bill Gates, uh, I work for a nonprofit that could benefit <laughs> from your generous donations. I am the, uh, you know, the person in charge of the development department, which is the donations department. So hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> sign your daughter <laughs> so what what have you been consuming oh, i've been watching uh, this show called perfect harmony and it is uh, available on hulu in the u.s i believe um and it is about this grumpy old um Yale prof music professor or, you know, vocal professor who like shows up in Kentucky because his wife has passed away and he's after the funeral. And before he can uh, commit suicide, he like uh, is in front of this church with a terrible choir and cannot, he's like, I can't do this. This cannot be the last thing I, I hear. And he um, goes in and kind of tells everyone to shut up and like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're not an alto, like this whole other thing. And then he passes out in front of them and they like kind of adopt him and he like helps them out. <laughs> oh, that sounds so cute. But so it's about music and kind of happy life. Thing? I mean, it's all about him being grumpy and like, uh, like the lives of all these people in the choir in Kentucky. And it's about like, actually cultural expectations and cultural clashes. Oh, see how very well fitting you'd pick that. I mean, isn't, isn't life about cultural expectations? though? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of like you can put that on onto pretty much everything. So yeah. All right. So where can yeah. we find you online? Um, so I very much did not make, uh, same handles for same social media. Cause, uh, why would I do that? That's so. what says, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can definitely find me on mugglenet.com. I'm, my face is somewhere up there definitely. And I've definitely written articles for this, so, for that side, but, uh, on mugglenet, I'm under my real name, which might be confusing because Oreo parts is not my real name. 
Uh, <laughs> well, sorry for introducing you as such. <laughs> no, it's all right. I, w- I run under Orion BC because usually it's because people can't pronounce my name, but my real name is Aurelia Lieb. All right. All right. So it's, it's the R that's hard for me. Yeah. Aurelia? Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. Well, I'm not used to like doing guttural sounds for R's because I'm Puerto Rican. So we yeah. just, like roll them a lot. So, like, instead of saying carro, like normal, like, spe- Spanish-speaking countries do, like, right, we say cajo, you know, like, like okay. there's, there's like a, like a sound to it. <laughs> I mean, my name is Latin, and it's definitely more like an Italian name, so. Yeah, so, like, I, I've heard it as, like, Aurelia or Are- yeah. Aurelia, but mostly Aurelia in, in like, uh, Latin countries. Yeah, exactly. That's how that's how I know it. But like my experience, Americans, I tell them my name, they just look at me and give up. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, no. yeah. You can call me Oreo, like the cookies. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I say my name. So my, my name, my full name is Adriana. And if I say yeah. Adriana Wilson, like unless the person speaks Spanish, they won't be able to do that. So I usually say Adri Wilson or... Yeah. Adriana, <laughs> and then they can pronounce it. Yeah. See, that happens when you kind of move countries and people just can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I used to, like, also um, my my actual last name or my maiden name was Caraballo yeah. Madera, oh. right? So, like, we used oh. two last names in Puerto Rico, so Caraballo Madera. And, like, even if I would say Adriana Caraballo, like, no one could say that ever. Yeah. So like Adriana yeah. Carballo? <laughs> Carballo? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, it's, it's no, I mean, it's not an act of unfeminism to take my husband's last name. It's an act of ease and acclimation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've legit had the situation where I tell her like, hey, my name's Aurelia. And she's like, I can't say it. I was like, oh, no problem. You can call me Oreo. That's my nickname. She's like, I can't say that either. I was like, but like Oreo, like the cookies. And she's like, oh, I call you Cookie. And she called me Cookie for six months. So I was like, that was so not the point of the story. Oh, God, geez. Okay. Well, I don't <laughs> like that. Yeah, people are rude. <laughs> All right. So um, your, so your handle... Um, at Aureo 9 which is A-U-R-E-O-009. Is that on Twitter? That is on Instagram. That's on Instagram. Okay, so that's your Instagram yeah. handle. Where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, it's at zero uh, five, and then also Aureo. Oh, nice, nice. I am at Anana Banana on Instagram and Twitter because I somehow was able to get that on both platforms. <laughs> I mean, that is just the coolest handle ever. So I'm really jealous. Uh, I mean, it's because when I was a baby, I couldn't pronounce my name most, mo- like most Americans. Um, <laughs> so I would say that my name was Anana instead of Adriana. And then one of my best friends in college nicknamed me Anana Banana. And that suck. <laughs> I mean, it's so cool. There's so many A's. <laughs> there, is, there are a lot of A's in my handle, on my handles, yeah. Um, and <laughs> even though Juliana's not here and we missed her so much, but this episode might have been three hours if she was on. 
Um, her handle on Twitter is at Jellyanna underscore runs and jelly like grape jelly. This is what she always says. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just know runs because she always runs marathons. And I, I know. Like, she, great. She amazing. <laughs> I am in constant awe of her dedication and yeah. ability to do this while, while I get just like winded from getting off the couch. Yeah, exactly. So it's like getting out of bed, being like, oh, I need to lie down again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm tired again. All right. So um, I'm going to close with uh, this question for listeners. How has Harry Potter affected your politics? You can let us know at 915-996-1699. And you can email us a voicemail at info at acupolitics.com also or at Acupolitics on all the socials, because that was also available, which is pretty great. And you can yeah. put us on patreon.com slash Acupolitics for as little as $2 a month. And I look forward to getting a voicemail from you or a voice memo on our email on how Harry Potter has affected our your politics. Aurelia, did I, did I do it? Did I do it? Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I always mispronounce everyone's name, so I feel this is a personal victory. <laughs> I'm taking it, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm giving it out to you. <laughs> well, it's been a wild ride. Thank you for joining us. Uh, but until next week, where we will be discussing politics of something and chapter four on Order of the Phoenix, uh, you know, join us then. And until then, politics managed. Mm-hmm.